Welcome to Oncopharm. I'm your host, John Bazaar. I'm an associate professor of pharmacy practice here at the supporting sponsor of Oncopharm, the Bill Gatton College of Pharmacy. Today, we return to our landmarks in Oncopharm series. We go back and look uh, with a little bit of detail at some of the landmark publications uh, that have shaped how we practice oncology today. So today, we go to the Journal of Clinical Oncology 2003. Uh, randomized trial of dose-dense versus conventionally scheduled and sequential versus concurrent combination chemotherapy as post-operative adjuvant treatment of node-positive primary breast cancer. This is dose-dense AC is the paper, and this is uh, an intergroup, and CLGB uh, 9741 is the study. The first author is Mark L. Citrone, C-I-T-R-O-N, uh, and the last author here is important is Larry Norton, and it's his mathematical modeling that was the basis for this for this paper. So a little bit of background before we get into this. So as, they, as the authors point out here, uh, a dose of 60 milligrams per square of doxorubicin was found to basically be the highest effective dose of doxorubicin, 600 milligrams per meter squared, the highest effective dose of cyclophosphamide, and 175 milligrams per meter squared, the highest effective dose of paclitaxel, these being given conventionally every three weeks. Uh, pushing the dose above that in breast cancer wasn't found to be of any benefit. Now this of course leaves out the whole discussion uh, basically bone marrow transplant or high dose chemotherapy with autologous stem cell rescue in breast cancer which was uh, a whole which was a debacle and uh, maybe a subject of a future podcast. So uh, dose density refers to uh, giving drugs within a shortened uh, intertreatment period as they as they describe in the article. So instead of giving 60 milligrams of a drug, 60 milligrams per square of a drug every three weeks, you get every two weeks. So the same dose but given more frequently. That's essentially what dose dense refers to. And this is based off of some of Norton's work uh, in what's uh, what's called uh, Gompertsian kinetics. Uh, essentially, that the the more frequently a drug is given, uh, the more effective it would be. And that has to do with the fact that, um, particularly uh, you know, with breast cancer, um, when you give a dose of chemo, you're gonna kill a certain percentage of cells, and then you, the result is a smaller population of cells, and the smaller population of tumor cells will grow faster. Uh, therefore, the longer uh, time between treatment uh, the faster the tumors grow and they get bigger, so then they're less susceptible to chemo because they're bigger, and the bigger tumors aren't as susceptible as chemo. So that is sort of the idea uh, behind giving, uh, behind dose dense, giving the treatment uh, every two weeks instead of every three weeks. In short, there's less time for the tumor to regrow, which is somewhat um, obvious, but also by, by decreasing um, the treatment period, so giving it every two weeks versus every three weeks, those tumor cells, uh, that tumor population is smaller and therefore growing a little bit faster and therefore more susceptible to chemo. That is the theory. So what this paper does is test, it's a two by two factorial design. So that means uh, there are four arms and they're testing two different hypotheses. So one is dose dense versus conventional dosing. And then one is sequential versus non-sequential. So we'll talk more about that when we get to the groups. But first, let's look at the methods here. So. Uh, this was uh, intergroup, so this is CLGB and SWOG and ECOG, a whole bunch of, of U.S. cooperative groups accruing patients from September 1997 to March 1999, which is the bulk of my freshman and sophomore year of high school. So let's take a trip down memory road. The top five singles of 1998, which would have been the year 
when most of these patients were recruited on this study. The top five singles, Too Close by Next, uh, The Boy Is Mine by Brandy and Monica, big hit summertime TRL uh, folks, you know what I'm talking about. You're Still the One by Shania, so we see some country crossover to the pop charts. Truly Madly Deeply by Savage Garden, uh, How Do I Live by Land Rhymes, more country crossover appeal. Uh, and then you have to go down to 10 on the list, which is How's It Gonna Be by Third Eye Blind to see a song that I kind of like. Uh, the top grossing movies of 98. Number one, Titanic. Didn't see it, but know how it ends. Number two, Armageddon. Number three, Saving Private Ryan, which I have a whole uh, renewed interest in World War II, Greatest Generation, etc. Number four, There's Something About Mary. Number five, The Waterboy. And then my favorite film of, of 98, you have to go all the way down to 94. on the top. This is top grossing movies. Not 94, The Big Lebowski. Way down there. A bomb, so to speak, but has lived on as a cult classic. It's not relevant to this discussion, though. So, here are the four groups. So, uh, group one is conventionally dosed every three week sequential treatment. So, it's A, followed by T, followed by C. So, it's doxorbicin, 60 milligrams per meter squared, every three weeks for four cycles. Then, paclitaxel, 175 milligrams per meter squared every three weeks for four cycles. And then, cyclophosphamide, 600 milligrams per meter squared. Uh, every three weeks for four cycles. Now, we don't do that, so you can guess how that worked out. Group two was A followed by T followed by C, so sequential, but now this is dose dense given every two weeks with growth factor support. Then regimen three here was AC together, so 6600 together, followed by T, again, every three weeks apart. And then regimen four was dose dense AC given every two weeks with growth factor, growth factor support, followed by paclitaxel, um, given every two weeks with growth factor support. So given it every two weeks, this is the, the, you know, these are the every three week doses given every two weeks with growth factor support, as you know. Now, uh, you'll go on about, f uh, you know, five years after this is published. This is published in 03. Five years later, 98, we get the Sperano paper showing that weekly paclitaxel is superior to every three week paclitaxel. Okay, so that's a, that's a caveat that we'll, we will have to uh, revisit here. Uh, the, they did five mics per kilogram of growth factor on days three, uh, days three to seven, three to ten, sorry. So eight days basically of GCSF, either 300 or 480 micrograms rounded to the nearest dose. Uh, patients were, uh, had to have an ANC or granulocyte count above 1,000, platelets above 100 to get treatment. If not, treatment was delayed until counts got up to that point, uh, up to three weeks. And then the study chair was contacted to discuss dose modifications, which were 25% reductions in the dose, as discussed. Uh, then, for those that after completing um, their chemotherapy, if radiation was indicated, they got radiation. And if uh, hormone-positive tamoxifen 20 milligrams a day uh, was recommended, but not required, for five years for to all premenopausal men who are hormone-positive, and then all postmenopausal, regardless of receptor status, and I don't know why that would be, as a freshman, sophomore, in high school, high school. I don't, but I still think that was not the case. We had learned enough about tamoxifen that its benefit was truly in hormone-positive patients at that point. Um, they targeted an accrual of about 1,500 patients to have a 90% power to detect a 33% difference in their hazard for uh, disease-free survival. So, it was a disease-free survival was the primary endpoint. Uh, about 60% of patients had one to three positive lymph nodes, 30% four to nine positive lymph nodes, 70% of patients between the ages of 40 and 59 years, and it was about 50-50 between pre- and postmenopausal men 
uh, postmenopausal women, uh, one third were hormone negative, about two thirds hormone positive, and uh, about 70% went on to receive tamoxifen, which fits with roughly uh, 65% being hormone positive. So there were some folks who did get uh, tamoxifen uh, when they probably did not receive any benefit because they weren't hormone positive. So they actually accrued 2,000 patients, uh, so about 400 more than they needed just because accrual was so robust, which is uh, nice for them. So looking at the results, there was a statistically significant improvement and disease-free survival for the dose-dense regimen. So they, were, they looked at both dose-dense regimens, uh, so the sequential and concurrent, compared to the non-dose-dense regimens. That's what the two-by-two two factorial designs mean. You can compare regimens one and three versus two and four, and two and four versus one and three. Um, so one and three versus two and four, and then three and four versus one and two. Let me say that the right way. So that's the advantage of the two-by-two two factorial design, is you can test two hypotheses at once, although not uh, real elegant, it is It is simple. So this risk ratio for disease-free survival in the dose-dense regimen was 0.74, p-value 0.1. This is what the, num the absolute numbers look like. Four-year disease-free survival was 82% with dose-dense versus 76.2% with sequential, which is just under about a 6% uh, uh, absolute improvement in disease-free survival, which is pretty impressive. Uh, the overall survival was also statistically significant for the dose-dense p-value 0.013, risk ratio of 0.69. Those absolute numbers, three-year overall survival, 92% of folks alive in the dose-dense arms compared to 90% in the conventional arms. So a 2% overall survival difference at, two, at three years, uh, less impressive than that uh, disease-free survival benefit. Uh, and as you know by now, if you've worked in oncology pharmacy or worked with breast cancer patients, we do not give sequent we don't give drug one followed by drug two followed by drug three. We give combination chemo in the adjuvant setting. So you already know this conventional regimen uh, did not pan out. And the conventional regimen was based, or sorry, this sequential regimen was based off of the same, not the same, but similar mathematical modeling based on in vitro studies that the dose dense concept was. That's why it was tested. Uh, so the dose dense was shown to be superior to conventional. So AC every two weeks followed by paclitaxel every two weeks, four cycles of each was better than AC followed by T. Now at this time, we already knew that AC followed by paclitaxel every three weeks was inferior, sorry, a few years after this, we, we learned that that paclitaxel after AC should be given uh, with 12 weekly cycles as opposed to four big doses every three weeks. What are the concerns? If you go back, there are lots and lots of dose-dense studies, um, not necessarily uh, with regimens we use today, uh, not necessarily uh, with the same regimens compared to each other, but one of the big concerns that's tested in all these studies is the safety and concern that the dose-dense is going to be more toxic. So, and what we see here is that because of that growth factor support from days 3 to 10, there's actually less cytopenia in the dose-dense group. Um, so, for example, a grade 4 grainless cytopenia, so an ANC less than 500, was more frequent in the every three-week regimen at 33% compared to 6% in the dose-dense regimen. And uh, given 13% of patients and the dose-dense did have to have some red blood cell transfusion, uh, it, it, you did see similar toxicity uh, otherwise, but you did have... Uh, you know, less bone marrow suppression because you were given, or less granulocytopenia cytopenia because of the growth factor support. So the reason that I want to bring this up is that, um, well, before I, before I get to that, uh, there is uh, just this year, Lancet uh, 2019 in February, 
there was a meta-analysis published by the Early Breast Cancer Trialist Collaborative Group, which publishes, publishes a lot of stuff uh, in the UK on the use of, uh, of chemotherapy in the adjuvant setting for breast cancer. And they published a meta-analysis of 37,000 women uh, across 26 uh, randomized trials. And their, their end result here, the last line of the, uh, the abstract, is that dose dense moderately reduces the 10-year risk of recurrence and death from breast cancer without increasing mortality from other causes. So it's a modest benefit that we see here with dose dense chemo. So we have good science um, and it leads to a modest benefit. So if, and just to, to illustrate the complexity of, of doing this meta-analysis, uh, you have uh, looking at a shorter interval between some cycles with the same drugs, doses, and number of regimens. And there are you know, about seven studies included in that. And we see a hazard ratio of 0.83. Uh, so you're talking a 15 to 70% improvement in uh, the risk for recurrence. And if you look at uh, breast cancer mortality, you're seeing maybe a 2 to 3% improvement in, in breast cancer mortality or all-cause mortality with the dose dense. So it is a modest benefit. It's not a huge benefit. Um, there have been some suggestions uh, that maybe the best use of dose dense uh, chemotherapy in breast cancer is in those that are hormone negative because that disease is, is faster growing. Uh, we do see about a 2% a improvement in 10-year uh, mortality gains uh, in ER positive women. Uh, compared to about 3% in ER negative. So it does seem to be a little bit more effective in the hormone negative, but there is still benefit in the hormone positive. Um, so the take-home points from this study, you know, this established dose-dense AC as a standard option, and there was overall survival benefit. Uh, again, the sequential thing was something that's test and, uh, tested based on, on this kind of mathematical, mo mathematical modeling. Uh, it's a little odd to, to I, I still, I think, to include that uh, as one of the regimens because the first um, overall survival benefit we saw in adjuvant treatment of breast cancer was not a sequential regimen. It was a combination regimen being CMF. Go back in the earlier pods to listen to that one. Uh, again, uh, paclitaxel every three weeks, uh, five years later, would be found to be inferior. So we kind of had an inf inferior control group with regards to um, uh, the standard treatment here. Uh, another question that's raised commonly along with this paclitaxel every three weeks is the benefit that's often seen in these dose-dense AC studies because it's not uniform. Not every dose-dense publication shows an overall survival benefit. Uh, is the benefit that we see due to an inferior control arm? And if you say AC followed by T every three weeks, that would be an inferior control arm. A better control arm would have been AC followed by weekly paclitaxel. Uh, and the benefit, again, who, who are those who benefit the greatest? And of course, uh, we are not including HER2 status yet when this came out in 2003. So fast forward now to our uh, kind of our American uh, base guidelines, the NCCN guidelines have, you know, really three preferred regimens, and we'll just take the HER2 out of it for HER2 negative patients, not talking triple negative. Dose dense AC followed by paclitaxel every two weeks, again, both with uh, GCSF support. Nowadays, we would use pegfilgrastim instead of the, the eight or seven doses of filgrastim. That's based on this paper, the Citrone paper. Uh, so that's one of the preferred regimens. There are three of them. The second preferred regimen they have here, in no particular order, is dose-dense AC followed by weekly paclitaxel, which is an amalgamation of this paper, the dose-dense AC portion, and then the Sperano NEJM 2008 paper, which was the last we did in this landmark series 
showing that weekly paclitaxel was better than every three-week paclitaxel. And then there's docetaxel cyclophosphamide, also listed, which is one we haven't talked about yet in our Landmarks uh, series. So this paper, the Citrone paper, and the Sprano paper have taken the best of both and combined to be the preferred regimen and probably the most commonly used regimen here in the United States for women who, with breast cancer who could handle dose-dense uh, AC. This is a little bit like what we saw with Mosaic is that the current modified Folfox 6 regimen we use has not one that's been robustly uh, tested in multiple phase 3 studies, but is inferred or assumed to be as good as prior similarly done studies with Folfox. Uh, but that's where we are uh, with regards to dose dense AC. And we see that a lot, especially in, in solid tumors. Uh, we'll really throw out oncology. We see that. So thank you for listening. You can follow me on Twitter at FarmDietnip. Follow the podcast on Twitter and Instagram uh, at OncoFarmPod. And until I talk to you again, remember, doses matter. Thank you.